2: live From sunny Coolidge, Arizona, May the 1st, 2014, this is uh, <clears throat> Part 3, this is Lesson 14, or Episode 49, we're in Chapter 8, the Book of Revelation,
1: <clears throat>
2: and uh, uh, we're looking be- uh, at verses 8 through 13 today, I don't know how much we'll cover. And first we have another issue on hand, and that is that we said we were going to suggest uh, um, three or four options to who, in verse 11, the name of the star is called Wormwood, who Wormwood might be. Remember that? Anybody have any opinions on that? And I've got some, uh, I printed out, Uh, not that you want any of this, but you're welcome to get copies if you want to. Um, From Dr. Hoven at Eugene Bible College or Northwest Christian College, he states this. I'll read a part of the... Excuse me. I'll read a part of the um, paragraph. We're only focused in on that one thing, is are there options to of this star that is called Wormwood. And that's in the third trumpet. And so what he says, I'll I'll read a sentence or two. Uh, In all languages, a star is the emblem of a ruler. Now, we would agree with that. I think we looked at references uh, that would support that statement. And I think we made similar, probably worded it a little bit different, but In all languages, a star is the emblem of a ruler who in this case will make war along rivers. You notice that in verse 10. The third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. So his observation there is accurate. Now listen carefully to this. I'll read it. You see if you can find something here that might suggest that it doesn't fit. Now we're not attacking the author. Just an idea. The figure fitly describes the meteoric career of Attila the Hun. AD 433 to 453 <clears throat> like a meteor he appeared and as suddenly went out for in an, uh, and went out immediately for an outer bursted and internal hemorrhage ended his life he regarded himself as devoted to Mars the god of war <clears throat> <clears throat> and he fought his battles on the rivers the Dan- the Danube the Marne the Rhone and and the river Po and Adda. and he pillaged and burned the beautiful towns and cities and desolated the fair valleys he has gone down in history as the scourge of god
1: <clears throat>
2: well that's enough <clears throat> What's that for an option? That It is is—it is an option. But what in that paragraph doesn't fit with our approach, what we're doing with the book? The timeline. The timeline. must be
1: a historist or a something like that instead of a prearist or a futurist.
2: <clears throat> well, I mean, he's a post-millennialist. Yeah. Um, in, in his position. But he has a lot of things right. But that statement that he says, the uh, I think it's the second sentence, the figure fitly describes the meteoric career of Attila the Hun, A.D. 453 to 450, uh, 433 to 453. That puts it out of the context that we have provided Information for that would suggest it was all completed by then mm-hmm. are we in agreement you don't have to agree with my views on that, but I mean, do you understand what we're talking, where we're coming from
1: sure.
2: <clears throat> so that's one option, and that's Dr. Hoven and
0: um what was that
1: I have heard that theory before okay
0: <clears throat> I, agree with it then <laughs> I don't understand what 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 that Figure would have to do with the old covenant, the new covenant, or any prophecy that's basically skirting both sides of 70 A.D., which has been consistent with what John has been writing up to this point. You know that that's a very solid observation um,
1: <clears throat>
2: because the one thing that this author doesn't do, um, as scholarly as he is. He doesn't address this book from the standpoint of Israel. As the, the, empire, the Roman Empire, particularly, is how
1: he
0: looked at, he interprets most of this.
2: And history in general, when it comes to wars and fighting around a river, is a real common occurrence anywhere you go. Sure. It's a natural boundary. Mm-hmm. It's a natural place of conflict. And, of course, it's also a source of water. That's right. And warriors need water, too. <clears throat> now, I, I I want to reinforce the idea that when we read somebody and take this out of his context, um, we're not assassinating the author. We're just looking at an idea that we don't agree uh, that it fits in with the time frame of the book. understand? Yeah. We don't get a, you know, we, we don't want to develop attitudes about these people. Cause, I mean, he's been dead for years. I knew Dr. Hobart. I've been to his house. Lived on the McKinsey River.
1: <clears throat>
2: Taught at uh, Northwest Christian College at the University of Oregon for many, many years. He'd go into his house, and it was right on the McKenzie River west or east of uh, Eugene, and <coughs> his little cabin-like house, and he had a roll-away desk, and it was piled to the ceiling with, I mean, strapped pieces of paper, you know, just like mine. <laughs> his notes. His notes. Yeah. Yeah. He was quite a prolific author in his day. <coughs> All right, here
3: here is another one. <coughs> this is from
2: uh, that series down there, that Red Book series, The Revelation to John, Volume 19, by Roberts, The Living Word Commentary. And <coughs> he states this, but the picture here is Heightened by the statement that the star's name is Wormwood. The Greek word signified a bitter plant, and I would agree with that. And this was the effect it had on the water, and I would agree with that. <clears throat> uh, com- he says, compare Exodus fifteen twenty-three, which I think we read last week. Um, I don't have it in my notes here on this page, but anyway, I think we did. Did we? Did you say? Uh, <coughs> okay, sure. And the effect it had on the but and and this was the effect that it had on the water. Compare Exodus fifteen twenty three. But here the matter is more serious because the affected water is wholly turned, is completely turned to wormwood or bitter. And so that's all that he says. he does not even attempt to identify any name on that person. any person yeah. any personal name <laughs> and um Idea uh, that wormwood is a person? well because it's the the name wormwood is the name of the star yeah. and the star is a ruler and that's how we we're trying to find if there is a name, someone in history that was named, uh, that could be identified as polluting the water theologically. Did I miss your point?
0: No, no, no. no. Uh, it, 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 uh, <clears> the <throat> so stars are always considered to be... I mean, is that a, is that a solid foundation that everywhere in in the world a star is always...
2: Well, when it's used symbolically,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, Yeah. it it refers to a ruler. Yeah, and I think the first author stated that too, didn't he? I think the uh, whatever we. I only asked because
0: I know that there were droughts and there was long periods without water. There was no water, and that is having no water is having polluted water. either. Yeah. Well. I, I was. I'm just kind of thinking
2: that loud. And of course, you know, again, we we don't want to bring these waters into literal waters, but into uh what they're representing. Yeah.
3: <clears throat> I had another one here. Well I thought I did. Uh <clears throat> Does anybody? Um, okay, here, here is a. Here's another, another resource. This is a textbook that's used in,
2: uh, used to be used in colleges. I don't know whether it is anymore or not. Um, <clears throat> can't give you the author's name. I meant to write it down, and this. But the name of the book is More Than Conquerors. Hendrix,
3: Hendrix is the name. Just came to me. Uh, <clears throat> and here's what he says. I picked these guys out because they're they're not
2: dummies. Hence, John sees a huge star blazing like a torch, which is dropped out of the sky. That's what it's, you know, fell. This great star falls or drops out of the sky. Now, <clears throat> <clears throat> what could produce a greater fear than this? What symbol would be better adapted to indicate that which strikes terror into the hearts of men? And I think he's got a pretty solid there. Remember, moreover, that this huge star blazing like a torch is dropped out of the sky. In other words, these judgments upon the land waters are the acts of God. God's behind this. He goes on to say this is usually forgotten. That all of these disasters here that we're reading about in the seals, uh, which which were aimed at the world and apostate Israel at large, and then the trumpets, which are aimed at the entwined system of Israel, um, were acts of God. <clears throat> So the name, of, then he goes on to say, the name of the starwood is Wormwood. And here's, here's how he uses it from Lamentations 3.19. The name of the star is Wormwood, symbolic of bitter sorrow. <clears throat> the meaning is bitter sorrow will fill the hearts of the wicked as the result of the plague indicated many men moreover died of the waters because they are made bitter so he didn't he doesn't he doesn't identify the ruler that the star represents only the name of that star he calls wormwood and it's symbolic and that name <clears throat> is symbolic of bitter sorrow any anybody have any, um, any any more information I have another one but does, does anybody have any opinions on on this here is another one then if you don't uh, <clears throat> and that'll be it you can everyone is a little bit different and I'm glad for that
3: um Here's one who narrows it down.
2: And I'll tell you right up front that I tend to be in sympathy with what this author is saying.
3: I think his last name is Mills. We've quoted from him before.
2: And this is from um, the book called Revelation Survey and Research. And I think it was Jesse, uh, Jesse Mills Jr. is the author, I think. <clears throat>
1: Does
2: that fit? I think we've, we've got it listed somewhere as one of our reference points. He says when uh, he has three options, he gives us two names, and then he says that the third option is that it could be uh, an accumulation or a compilation of all of that. That's reasonable. Here are the names that he actually specifically states. Eliezer, the son of uh, Ananus, burned the emperor's victims and exited the fury of the zealots, which provoked the zealots to take the city and introduce a reign of terror, of death and terror. The zealots then appointed their own priest to take over the temple services, set their base of operations up in the temple of God, with the zealot leader displaying himself there as if he was God, the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist. <coughs>
3: And remember that
2: in that first statement, it says that Eliezer, the son of Ananus, that's A-N-A-N-U-S. Now, that's Eliezer. That's what he did, and he says that's one possibility. He was a priest, I believe. That's right and
3: um, perverted it from the temple out. Then the father of Eliezer, he
2: calls secondly, the um, Ananus, infected the pure Christian doctrine with his heresy, which resulted in furthering the apostasy. So that was his second option, Uh, Eliezer, the son, and then the dad. Uh, Thirdly, he summarizes it like this. The star represented a ruler who would fall from power. We have no problems with that, and they've all agreed with that. So we have that in common with all of these authors leaving behind a crippled nation suffering tribulation and war. It is possible. Now this guy's a historian. It is possible that the falling star represents all of the above. However, the affliction of the falling star would cause the waters of the river to become bitter thereby killing many people in Scripture. <clears throat> now, what I went to last week is I gave you my views that the rivers, the, the wormwood is false teaching that poisons the living water of the gospel, altered it. Remember that discussion? Uh, I, I think it's in your notes from last week. <clears throat> So, those are the options that we have so far. Does anyone want to add another option? Well, I would agree with him because if we look at the word heaven there, uh, we could also be talking about
1: Judah mm-hmm.
2: in uh, in uh, uh, symbolic language. That's right. and as a matter of fact i I think it has to be prophetic symbol. Of Judah heaven and Eliezer was one but there was also Simon and John Uh, that's the name they went by they also had a but they were all Jews they were all from Judea not just Jerusalem but uh, Galilee uh, and in in the area and they all did exactly the same thing they they perverted the the Jews I noticed he mentioned perverted uh, Christianity but none of those men were
0: Christians no they
2: didn't they didn't, they, they didn't, were not they were not no but they were Christians that's right yeah
0: Christians
1: <laughs>
2: but they were definitely false teachers false prophets and that's and right. and caused that's right and caused the death of more Jews than the Romans killed, yeah. I, I believe. They
1: fought among themselves, their yeah. factions.
2: I uh, didn't hear that, uh, Lana.
1: I said the three of them and their factions fought amongst each other until finally, I believe uh, one of them was was killed, and uh, well, eventually the others too. But and that's how the the famine got started in the first place. They managed to wipe out all the food in
2: Jerusalem, and um, they
0: they poisoned.
2: Yeah. That's right. They poisoned food and water in Jerusalem to try to kill the other faction. Yeah. So, so to all of these things working together, it yeah. seems yeah. this is really the answer to it. So. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It would seem reasonable that, it, yeah. that oh, this I've... has a lot of legs. Yeah. Okay. Did you have more to yeah. share on that?
3: It's just that they're they're part of the whole reason that the moments came in the first place, yeah going on from the very beginning, yeah so like an
0: overview would paint this as being completely corrupt and self serving in in groups of cliques mm-hmm. and and a and a one eighty in away from the direction of the word of God and the will of God for the people and for the...
2: <clears throat> and Josephus says in his writings that the actions and uh, character of these leaders was appalling to Titus and the Roman soldiers. They were appalled at the brutality of these men. And now they were saying
0: something.
2: Yeah. yeah. Because Titus was not... Uh, probably not a real friendly fellow. Yeah.
0: Uh, but he was appalled by their actions. They had no honor. Isn't that amazing? It, it, yeah. It's incredibly depressing.
2: So why do we need to jump out to 433? I think it's a mistake. <laughs> you say, I think it is, too. I think the more that we see this, oh, yeah. and the more attempts by good people to, you know, get a process in this book, we don't need to go out there because it's all right here in this time frame. <clears throat> That's what I want us to be aware of, at least enough to where we can think about it. And if at the top of this page on, um, on this lesson, where we talk about the prayers of the seals and the prayer, prayers of the trumpets in, chapter, in this chapter, um, <clears throat> this is just by way of review real quick. Uh, the content of those prayers and both under the seals and in the beginning of the trumpets was to avail God's intervention in the events of history as it relates to the fall of Jerusalem or fall as it relates to getting rid of the old heaven and the old earth and bringing in the new heaven and the new earth. Those people knew <clears throat> and, and knew where they wanted to go and where where prophecy needed to be taking them to, and they were praying in behalf of those prophetic utterances of the prophets. And they were praying, and they went up before God, and they were preserved by God in the golden bowls, remember? In, in the seals, they were in golden bowls, if I remember, remember right. And then they were mixed with incense in the trumpet scene. <clears throat> they went to God, and as soon as that reached God at that time, why, then God's wrath began to get poured out. <clears throat> in response, at least partially, to the effect of the prayers of the righteous. And the New Testament in the epistles that tell us that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And but we need to have a big picture uh, in in order to pray the kind of prayers that they were praying. And, of course, we are in a totally different situation today, but we still have a big picture that we can can incorporate into our prayer life that a lot of us, myself included, we haven't perfected that. So that's just a little bit of review on that. Now we we come down to uh <clears throat> uh verse um uh verse 7 on the previous page and we have the uh, I, I wanted to take time um, it looks like we're let's let's go back to uh Exodus <clears throat>
3: Exodus chapter 9. Well, I sure hope you enjoy
2: your new cat, Lana. He's on the camera.
3: (laughs) I just hope she gets along with the boys.
2: (laughs) Okay, Exodus 9.27, and we're actually on the previous set of notes yet. But all all of uh, so so many of these symbols here uh, where God is scourging the Egyptians with the plagues, this is just to pick up some of that language so we know that the people to whom he is addressing understand this language. You and I may not. They did. And if we keep that in mind, it makes it all, I think, a little, a little easier. So in verse 24, <clears throat> there was hail, fire, flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such as had not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Well, you could read this whole chapter and all of chapter 10 And you can get a very solid picture of the imagery that John is possibly drawing from uh, to draw and to paint a picture of what he is seeing in this vision. We even go to Joel. Let's go to Joel quickly. You all know where Joel is in the Minor Prophets, Joel Amos Obadiah.
3: And we're in Joel, and look at chapter 2. And here here
2: again we have uh, symbols that are used. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke, The sun will be turned into darkness and the the
3: moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes.
2: And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. <clears throat> but you, there again, there is that symbolism, right?
0: Hey, where were you? At, Joe? Yeah, yeah, where were
2: you? Joel. Uh, uh, Joel Joe 2, Joe two.
0: What? Joe two
2: 20, 28. Okay. I started with verse 30. You know, I missed 28, and that's where I wanted to go. <clears throat> I'm having a hard time reading tonight, so. <clears throat> as well as talking. Okay, well, I just I probably wasn't clear. So in Joel, let's read the let's read verse twenty. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters. So he's getting us into what time frame? Messianic. The what? The messianic time frame. Okay. Okay. At the
0: End of days. The end. That's right. The subtitle in this Bible says, The Promise of the Spirit. Well, and that's right here.
2: But we they don't define spirit, you know, but that is <clears throat> that I will pour out my spirit upon all what? Mankind. Okay. All of mankind. And that includes who then? that is the resolution of the mystery of God, the Jews and the Gentiles alike. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams. young, Your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then we read verses 30 through 32, and that encompasses the last of the last age. That encompasses it. And so Peter on the day of Pentecost in chapter two <clears throat> notice how he quotes Joel. And of all the verses he picks on Joel on the day of Pentecost when he yeah. what's that? In Peter's sermon. Yeah. yeah. In
3: Peter's sermon. Um and um He he begins in in verse 14, Acts chapter 2, verse 14.
2: But Peter, taking his stand with the 120, oh, the 11. All right, now we want to remember that. That's a noun, so we have some pronouns coming up. Let's see if we can follow through. He raised his voice and declared to the 120, yeah, the 11. All right, to them the eleven. That's the antecedent. Then, but declaring to them, men of, and now he broadens it out, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose. That's what they were accusing them of in verse 13. For it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of of through the prophet Joel. Joel. It shall be
3: in the last days. He's quoting Joel. It shall be in the last days. God says that I will pour
2: forth in the last days of what? Judah, and Jerusalem. He's talking about that in Joel. He's talking about here in verse 14, all of you who are in Judea and who live in Jerusalem.
0: Same terminology.
2: You know, so he's talking about their last days. In, that, in the last days, in that span of the last days, God will do these things and will include all of what Joel talked about. The sun will be turned into darkness, in verse 20, the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone, the emphasis there on whether Jew or Gentile, who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Now, Peter is saying we are in those last days right now. This is the evidence of we are in those days. And in, those, in these last days, it encompasses everything that Joel talked about.
3: Revelation is our commentary on that sermon. A time frame,
0: he uses the word days, which is an indefinite period of time,
2: and yet it's prefaced by last. But that's, the, that's right. And, and that's the qualifier. That's the qualifier uh, to, to those in Judah and Jerusalem. And he says, We are in them now, but right. they're not completed yet. Exactly. And all of these things of which Joel spake of will be done in these last days, beginning
3: now. <clears throat> well, that's kind of going back a little bit.
2: So let's jump down now. We we talked last week about verse 11, and uh, that's the truth being, in, in my opinion there, the truth is being poisoned. Uh, that That's the... An image imagery that I think is is uh, let's go to Romans three. By the way, <clears throat> and uh, I go back sometimes because I I want to make sure that we're we're moving we're moving together, and some of some of it takes repetition. It's
0: <clears throat> one thing to be on a rabbit hole. It's one thing to start going backwards. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, we're going backwards.
1: <clears throat>
2: Sometimes we never get back to where we ended the previous month. All right. <clears throat> Rome, but there's, you know, every time we come through, we try to add a little bit. All right. In Romans chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, great in every respect, first of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. That, you know, the question in verse 1 then what advantage has the Jew? Well, according to what he has said in the previous part of this chapter, there is no advantage of being Jewish at all. And they were bringing that argument, what is the benefit of of circumcision? So he says it's great in every respect, first of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? What a powerful argument. Just because somebody disbelieves doesn't change the facts of the matter.
0: I told somebody that the other day. The truth will always be true. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to believe it. No. Not at all. I didn't make that up, but that's my own paraphrase or whatever. But
3: it's essentially saying the same, same thing. So this wormwood comes into the picture,
2: and he poisons the truth, perverts it, changes it. And that's what we have taking place under the third trumpet. The fourth trumpet in verse 12, the fourth angel sounds, and the third of, you see, here we have all of these things being attacked. all of these things being attacked, but we have men dying from the consequence of the sun falling and poisoning the, the message. So the trumpet, the fourth one sounds, a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened on the day, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Here, the very source of Israel's life, the very source of Israel's life, is affected as it's represented here symbolically by nature. He is representing the very source of their life. The most vital points, Which related to the ongoing of the life of Israel is being attacked. There isn't much left. Terribly, terribly weakened by the fourth, by the time we get to the fourth trumpet. Everything that's supportive of life now has been struck. Some more than others, but it has all been struck. And all of these things provided life. Spiritually, as well as if you take it out of the symbolism into literalism,
3: either way, it both struck at the source of life. And there isn't much left. So in verse 13, I want to finish this
2: up if we can tonight. Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid heaven. And uh, midheaven means that that's the space where the sun, where it is occupying the sky at noon. That's called midheaven. Where is that? And I I, I wrote down the word in the Greek there. You can pronounce it if you want to. But it's the space where the sun uh, is uh, occupying at noon. That's called the midheaven. It's at the center place in the sky <clears throat> and I think we've got we've got time to read a couple of scriptures here let's go back to deuteronomy
3: twenty eight <clears throat> We can, we we just simply must not forget the curses
2: that were given by God to Israel beginning back here in Deuteronomy. And um, let's look at verse 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar from the end of the earth as the, and we're looking here for the usage of the word eagle, as 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 the eagle swoops down, so when he talks about here, we have a an an eagle flying in mid heaven at the place
3: where the sun is occupying at noon And it is saying, "Excuse me, wow, yeah." <laughs>
2: And it is saying with a loud voice, if you ever watched an eagle,
1: <clears throat>
2: even an osprey, but you talk about an eagle, they're tenons. When they come down, they can snatch these salmon out of the Columbia River as the osprey do. They can lift those salmon and they're still flipping and flopping. You know, for a dollar, they'll drop them in your basket. Don't count on it. <clears throat> but yeah. But they come with such force. And when when they're when they get closer to you, you're petrified. Just a few weeks ago up at the park where we go, we have an osprey up there. And it they're about the same size as an eagle. They have I suppose a wingspan of six, seven, eight feet. It came down, had Harry and Tess with me, and it came down and it For the length of that field, it aimed right straight at us. And just when it got to us, it just bounced over our heads, just out of reach of my hands. And that thing was huge. And if I hadn't have been there, he'd have probably snatched one of the dogs.
3: Or tried to. It's difficult to escape.
2: Uh, <clears throat> an eagle or a vulture of that kind, and we go back to another one in Hosea, and I realize that we're just about out of time. Uh, chapter eight, <clears throat> uh, eight, eight what, verse one. Put the trumpet to your lips. Here we have that used here too. Uh, like an eagle, the enemy comes against the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. Here we have that symbol used again, just like it is here in our Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. So we have an eagle, um, and uh, it's saying what?
3: Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. To those who dwell on the earth, now, I, I don't know whether this eagle had been to school and had taken English. Um, but, again, um, we have to look at this symbolically. I, I heard this, I looked, and I heard. This is a part of his vision. He's hearing in this vision as well. An eagle, he heard an eagle uh, flying in at noontime in the day. Sing with a loud voice, woe, 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 representing the remaining three trumpets to those who dwell on the earth. And that's going to be focused on a little different aspect than what we've had in the seals and in the trumpets, the first three trumpets. Because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Now that word about to sound is, is important because we, we noticed in several of our English and some of our charts, uh, we've got made some charts based on the usage of that term in the New Testament um, that um, the revelation is about to take place or about to be completed or uh, the kingdom is about to be fully established and it hadn't yet. And uh, uh, so that little word mellow Melo or melon here uh, melanton uh, tone um, is um, it means that there is something about just about to happen and they have dropped that about aspect from so many references in the New Testament that relate to prophecy that you would think that was way way out in the future but that word means it's about to take place and here is where they've translated that very word, very accurately. And some of our charts that we drew last year, um, I don't know where they are. They're probably in here somewhere, but they're there. And I've got a list of some of those in those charts. So <clears throat> he is saying things have been bad. Things have been very, very bad. But they're going to get worse. It's not, over. it's not over. We're not done yet. You just say, well, you just got a third of this and a third of that. He said, Yeah, that was bad, but we're not done yet.
0: And let's go back to 2 Timothy and we'll close. I think uh, think the the chapter and verse in uh, Hosea. Uh,
2: I think it was uh, 8 1.
0: 8 1. It's
2: not in the notes,
0: is it? Yeah, it is. It is in the
1: notes? That was the bottom of the page under verse
0: 13. In red. In red. Mine, mine's not red. It's, I do, it's not on okay. Have you got it up? Do you have less than fourteen? Is that what you're looking at? You
2: gotta be on. are looking at verse
1: forty-nine. I gave you here. Your
0: oh, you're. Are you on the news sheet now? Yeah. Yeah,
2: we're almost done with it.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh well, i got looking at that, and okay, all right, okay. sorry, sorry, never mind. That's, that's all right. Second Samuel. What yeah,
2: we're thing. in Second Timothy. We're yeah. going to close with this. Second, uh, Second Timothy, chapter three, and verses twelve and thirteen. <clears throat> twelve. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus um, will be rich and famous.
1: Persecuted.
2: <laughs> yeah. Tanya says that's not how it reads at all. It says that they will be persecuted. But evil men, that's those without purpose, without an elevated purpose, without a true purpose, evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse. And so we have that taking place right here in the Revelation. We have the seals, we have the trumpets, things are bad. But now, with this eagle, he's saying, whoa, 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 things have been bad. Everybody said, amen, they have been. But he said, they're going to get a whole lot worse. We close with that promising thought. (laughs) Father, we thank you for uh, these times set aside to just be in your word and to appreciate it and to have our not just our minds touched but our hearts touched by this because it helps us to understand you, your nature, and why we need Jesus to come to you through him. In his name we pray, amen.